come. So let's move along today in the Word. I want to continue the Word that Holy Spirit gave me last week. What does business have to do with the church? And, and again, this is part two. So why is this series so important? Especially in light of the fact that I know this. There are people that are under the sound of my voice, whether you're in this room or you're watching online. There are people that are under the sound of my voice today that are hearing what I'm about to preach. You're hearing the subject of what I'm about to preach, and it bothers you. There are some who are looking forward to hearing what they're going to hear. There are some who believe business has no place in church. Some that believe that business does have a place in church. Some that don't mind preachers talking about money in church. Some that hate it when preachers talk about money in church. So I know that as I minister this message this morning and I talk about business, I talk about the kingdom, I talk about Christ, I talk about money, I talk about these things, I know that as I minister that, that there are some who are keep holding me at arm's length while there are others who have their arms wide open. I realize that I'm speaking to a diverse group of people with a very diverse, equally diverse um, willingness uh, to accept something that might be outside of the ordinary gospel that they've expected to hear. But why is this series important and how is this helpful to the body of Christ? Some might be saying, it, wouldn't it be better if all you preached was salvation? Wouldn't it be better if you used that pulpit every Sunday and the only thing that you preached was the gospel of salvation? I want to answer that by saying this. I believe that there is a gospel. And that gospel is a gospel of salvation. It is a gospel of healing. It is a gospel of deliverance. It is a gospel of prosperity. It is a gospel of relationship. It is a gospel of life. There is a gospel. A single gospel given to us brought to us, delivered to us through Jesus Christ. Would you agree with that this morning? So there is a single gospel. So whatever I am preaching, whatever gospel you're receiving today, I believe that what the Father can do with that gospel is He can transform that gospel into whatever you need in your life to hear today. I want to tell you that I call it salvation when any of us, first of all, come to Christ, we repent of our sins, we come to Christ, I call that salvation. Wouldn't you? Yeah. I also call it salvation. When any of us, any among us, or not among us, someone is healed of whatever it might be. That is a salvation. I call it salvation when someone is delivered from drugs or alcohol. That is a salvation. I call it salvation when a marriage is restored. That is salvation. I call it salvation when whatever it might be, when we are promoted on our job because of the goodness of God, that is a salvation. When someone is delivered from oppression, depression, that is salvation. The gospel is the gospel is the gospel. And the gospel covers all things. All things. It is we. It is you and it is me. It is us who choose to separate and departmentalize what the gospel actually is. But in the mind of God, the gospel is not something that is departmentalized. The gospel is the act of Jesus Christ setting us free from whatever we need to be free of. 
Can somebody in this house say amen this morning? So, again, why is this series so important? Because the body of Christ needs to know it is okay to succeed. Let me say it again. In fact, say it with me. Say, the body of Christ Christ needs to know know. it is okay okay. to be successful. successful. Let's make it a little bit personal. This body body and this mind mind needs to know know that as a believer, believer, it is okay okay to to succeed. Bless my soul. God is not disappointed in you if you succeed as long as, and hear what I'm telling you, write it down if you need to, as long as your love for success does not get in the way of your love for Him and His purpose. He doesn't mind you loving money. We'll talk about that soon. What He minds is when you love it more than you love Him. He doesn't mind you being wealthy. What He minds is when your pursuit of wealth is bigger than your pursuit of His purpose. Your success in every way, my success in every way, should pave the way for the kingdom of God to increase. Our success on whatever level, should always pave the way for the kingdom of God to increase. Now, I know that there's people here thinking, well, so what you're saying is that you're preaching this prosperity gospel. As I said a moment ago, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm preaching the gospel. That's right. There's one gospel. Do I believe with all of my heart that every man, every woman, every person in the world, do I believe that they have an opportunity to be wealthy? Yes, I do. I think the difference between what I believe and what you think I believe is this, how we define wealth. See, in the mind of most, they define wealth by having more than the guy next door. To me, I define wealth by owning what you have, and as I said last week, holding George in your hand and telling him what you're going to do with it instead of him telling you what you can do with it. Here's what I've come to know that and this is in your notes if you want to read this and study it and think about it and dwell on it, but most people reject anything that has not yet occurred in their life as a means of justification. In other words, most of the people that reject the idea of being a believer and being a success or being a business owner or being wealthy or prospering or being blessed, most people that reject that idea do that as justification because they have not yet entered into that place. It's really easy to attack something that we have not attained to. It's really easy to attack something that we've not yet entered into. It's easier to reject it. It's easier to disqualify it than it is to say, the only reason I'm not there is because I'm not making the kind of decisions I need to make to get there. This is what I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you take two people... 
And you give them the exact... In fact, Christ demonstrated in two of His parables. But if you take two people and you give them the exact same opportunity to succeed. He took three people. So I'll take three too. So you take three people, you give them the exact same opportunity to succeed. And those three people are going to do something very different with whatever they've been given, even if they've been given equal shares. One person will take it and they will invest it and they will do much with it. Another person will take it and they will spend it and waste it and they'll do nothing with it. They'll have nothing. Another person will take it and bury it because they're afraid of what they'll do with it and they don't get anything either. Even what they do have is taken away. They were given the same thing. But they each did something different with it. There's people in this room, and nothing that I'm saying today is meant to be judgmental. Don't, don't ever, please don't receive it that way. What I want to do today is help you to grow. I want to help you to grow. I want to help you to be aware. I want to help me. I want to help us because that's what the Father's calling us to do. We have an opportunity to change the world. And let me just tell you how we won't change it. In poverty. You owe every man, you owe every debtor, you owe every company, you owe GMAC, you owe whoever it is, your mortgage company, your credit card company, Chase, and whomever else. You owe all of these people because you're buying everything that you can't afford. you got a line of credit here. you got this over there. You owe everybody in the world, and somehow you're going to change the world. You can't even change your own situation. How are you going to change the world situation? Is anybody hearing me this morning? See, again, we reject anything that has not yet occurred in our life as as a means of justification. So if that's true, if because it hasn't occurred in me, God's not for it, if because I'm in poverty, that must be the way God wants me to be, if I believe that, it is contrary to really the true purpose of God. If I'm not saved, does that mean that God doesn't save? If I'm not healed... Does that mean that God's not a healer? If I'm not delivered from drugs, does that mean that God's not a deliverer? No. What it means is that I have to walk this thing out until He begins to do whatever He needs to do and I need to trust that faith alone will never bring the answer. It didn't for Christ. Jesus Christ did not do anything on faith alone. Works followed him in every situation. He could have said, by faith, I'm going to turn this water into wine and never touched it. He could have said to Moses, Moses, use only your faith, but don't touch the water with the rod. Moses, speak to the rock. Have faith, but don't say anything at all. Would would water come out? Faith alone will not get us to the place that the Father wants us to be. Thank you, sir, for coming today. I appreciate it. That's Chad. I'm giving him a hard time. Faith alone will not do for us what God wants to do for us. I believe God wants to do something miraculous in all of us. Do you? I believe God wants to change the world. Do you? I believe that God wants you to be blessed. Do you? 
And I know that there's people listening to me right now, and this is what is hard about preaching this message. It's hard not because it's difficult in me. It's hard because I want every single person, even those who are struggling to not reject this word, I want you to receive it today. And I want you to know that if you can receive the words of truth that I'm speaking to you today, it will change your life. I would venture to say that 90% of the people that would reject this word today are the people that are the deepest in debt. Are the people that don't have two pennies to rub together. They can't pay their mortgage. They're looking for a way to pay their electric bill. No judgment. Just telling you there's a way through this. Let's read today. In James chapter 2, let's read verses 14 through 18. It says this. It says, again, James 2, verse 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but he does not have works? Will that faith save him? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says, I have faith to be saved, but I'm not going to repent? Will that faith save him? No. It's the confession with his mouth. Something has to be added to that faith. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and is lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things that are needed for the body, what good is that? By faith you're going to be clothed, but I'm not going to give you what you need to be clothed with. What good is that? Your faith alone did not clothe the naked, did not feed the hungry. So also faith, verse 17, by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith because of my works. I believe, therefore I do. Does anybody hear me this morning? Welcome back. I believe, therefore I do. I was thinking as I was, I read the, I read news, I read it more than I watch it, but I read it, and I was reading an article uh, yesterday or Friday, I think it was, about the Russian military leader, and I don't know that I'm going to get his name right, and please, I'm not, I'm not taking sides here, I'm, it's yeah, the whole Russia-Ukraine thing, I'm not taking sides, I have an opinion, I'll keep it to myself at this time. But the Russian mil- military leader, uh, Prigozhin, I'm not sure if the, I'm saying his name right, but he leads the, um, the, the, one of the military group. what is it? What is it? Yes, part of the Russian army. And he leads them, and right now they're attacking Bakhmut, 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 however you say that. And they're attacking that. They've been doing that for quite some time. Well, he's running out of ammunition. He's running out of supplies. He's got soldiers that are dying. And he did a YouTube video, and it shows all these soldiers that are just mutilated and and, uh, killed. And he's shouting at the Russian government, of which he is a part of, or uh, part of Russia. And he's shouting at the Russian government and letting them know, I'm leaving back moot if you don't get me the supplies that I need because, you know what, faith alone isn't going to get me a victory. Faith won't do it. Whether or not he's supposed to take Bakhmut, I don't, Bakhmut, whatever, I don't know. What I do know is no one, not even, not today, nor in history, has anyone ever gone into battle and said, by faith, 
I'm going to do this works follow. This man is saying the same thing. He's saying, listen, you want me to win this war? You want me to win this battle? You need to provide me with what I need to provide it because I can't stand on this side of the line and keep saying, we win. We're winning this thing. Why are you winning? Because we have faith. I'm just, I hope I'm I'm just awakening some folks this morning because I really want to awaken your mind and and, and cause you to rethink how you're doing things, how we do things. So here's this man over there watching his people die because they don't have anything to have to apply works to what they believe. They believe, whether it's right or wrong, they believe that that city belongs to them, right or wrong. They believe that city, that's not, I'm not here to argue that. They believe it belongs to them. We can't do this thing by believing it. We need something to apply to our belief. The body of Christ today requires business to expand the kingdom of God. You might be thinking in here again, but I'm not a businessman, I'm not a businesswoman, I'm not a business person. How does this apply to me? Because maybe you should be. Maybe you were born for that very purpose. I don't know. But the body of Christ requires business to expand the kingdom of God. And even Jesus Christ understood this. If faith without works is dead, a church or the kingdom of God, depending only on faith, is dying. If it is true that faith without works is dead, if we depend only on faith, we are a dying church. As an example, I've shared this many, many times before, but the last numerous years now, I don't even know how far back it goes now, but it's been years that the church, by and large, has been declining in people that actually attend church and call themselves believers. The body of Christ is not increasing like it should be increasing around the world. The body of Christ, it is declining. Every statistic you can find, it is the body of Christ is declining. I had the percentages and I I lost them. I don't know what I did with them. I printed them and then I lost them. I think I got them mixed up with something else. But the percentages of people today, just this year versus just a few years ago, who now say they no longer go to church, they don't want anything to do with God, they have no faith whatsoever. Of course, most people... Uh, mix faith and religion together? I don't. I don't. But they say, we don't want anything to do with the church. The number of people and the percentage of that has increased significantly over the last few years. Why is that? Because to say I have faith, to say I believe in God, to say I believe His Word, To say, I believe that Jesus Christ redeemed me, that He set me free, and He has empowered me to do things I could not do on my own. To say that with my mouth, and then not follow it up with the way I live my life, leads to a death. A death of spirit and a dearth of soul. Every time. Business, in simple terms, is this. It is the management. Everybody say this. Business is the management of resources. That's all it is. 
In its simplest form, business is the management of resources. Even Christ had people in place who managed resources in this way. Judas managed the money, Peter managed the people, and Matthew was the record keeper. These are just a few that we know of. He managed the resources that he had. What was available to him, he managed it. He didn't just say, you know what, disciples, this is what we're going to do, faith alone. I know somebody might be arguing, well, he said, go to this village and go to that village, take no money, no garment bag, nothing with you, nothing extra with you, do all this, do it in faith. But yet there was provision because he knew when he sent them, they were by works, they were going into the place that they were sent and that it would be provided for them. It was coming. Resources are required both individually and church-wide, and the less you have, hear me today. I don't, I'm telling you something that I don't even, it's, it's written on the chalkboard of your mind. The less you have, the less capable you are of doing something. The less resources you have at your disposal, the less capable you are to do what's in your heart to do or to do what the Father has asked you to do. I'm getting somewhere with this. Just be patient with me. Resources are required both individually and church-wide. And I understand require is a very, very strong word, but it is the right word. And if I could ask you individually or ask you to speak out loud, how does that make you feel, I would get a mixed response. Why is it when kings and judges of the First Testament conquered an enemy, they plundered their goods? What does it mean to reconstitute the wealth of the wicked or the unrighteous? Let me answer that first question then hit the second. They plundered their goods not because they needed those goods, but because everything that exists today, everything that existed then, the earth is the Lord's and everything. Somebody say everything. everything. And everything in it. So when the battles of the First Testament... And I refer to that specifically for a reason. But the battles of the First Testament, when the Father would send them in, and then He would say to them, A.J., go and plunder their goods. Once you've defeated them, I want you to take everything that they have, and I want you to bring it back to Israel or Judah or wherever it was at the time. I want you to bring those goods back. Why is it that He wanted them to get them? Did they need them? No, they didn't, because Israel was a wealthy nation. Judah was wealthy. They didn't need those goods. You know why they got those goods? Because they belonged to the Lord. Because those goods did not belong to the Ammonites. They didn't belong to those other folks. They belonged to the King of Kings. They belonged to our God. They belonged to Yahweh God. They belonged to the Creator of the earth. They belonged to your Redeemer. They belonged, therefore, to you and me. Now, did God need the armor that they were going to take? Did God need the fields, the corn, the wheat? The barley? Did God need the cattle? Did God need those things that they were going to plunder? The gold, the jewelry, whatever might have existed among those places that they conquered? Did God need that? No. But God wanted and wants what belongs to Him. And again, the earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it, and it belongs to Him. There's a reason He implored you and me to receive among us the wealth from the wicked. The interpretation of the word wicked isn't evil. It isn't Cruella de Vil walking in the back door. <laughs> wicked is anyone who does not believe that Jesus Christ is, son of, is the Son of God. Anyone who defies the kingdom of God is wicked. Simple as that. 
Doesn't mean they're a bad person, mean person, ugly person, hateful person. It just means they have not accepted that God is God. And the Father says if it's in their hands, it's in a place it doesn't belong. Get it back. Go get sons of God. Go get daughters of God. What belongs to me? Go get what belongs to me. It is mine and therefore it is yours. Is anybody hearing me today? I hope to provoke. I hope to stir. So you know what they're doing when we plunder the goods of the unrighteous. We plunder the goods of the wicked. I I can tell you that most people don't plunder the goods of anybody. They're being plundered. Even in the church. How am I being plundered? Every debtor that's in your life is plundering you the first of every month. How do you like being plundered? I'm plundered! It's the first of the month. Tomorrow is plundering day. Watch how much I give away. We're going to have a giveaway party. You can't believe how much interest I'm about to pay these people that are plundering what is meant for the purpose of God. Anybody seeing, getting the visual with me this morning? See, sometimes we don't understand it, we don't know it, we don't acknowledge it, we don't walk in it, only because we don't have the knowledge of it. So today, you're going to be required of the knowledge you've been given. Something will be required of that. So what does it mean to reconstitute the wealth of the wicked or the unrighteous? To reconstitute means to return something in Webster's. It means to return something to its original purpose. I'm a reconstitutor. Austin, I'm a reconstitutor. Thank you. I'm a reconstitutor. I'm going to go in and I'm going to begin to position myself. If I'm not there already, this is what I'm going to do. I've heard the word today. I heard the word last week. You're probably going to hear some more of it next week. But I've heard the word. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to begin now to position myself. I'm going to, I realize that plundering day is coming in a couple weeks. I'm about to be plundered. You know, can I be raw? Mm. Mm. I want to. I'm not sure. (laughs) To reconstitute means to return something to its original purpose. So that means that I, you, we have got to begin to position ourselves. Let me just say it. None of us want to, and and if if this has happened in your life, please don't take this as me uh, uh, a... I don't mean this ugly. I'm I'm trying to use this so that we get the visual of what I'm talking about. Nobody's going to say to anybody, rape me. And yet the first of every month, half the people under the sound of my voice are saying to their creditors, rape my finances. 
That isn't exactly how I was going to say it, but that's as close as I'm going to get. Is it not true? Under the sound of my voice, too many under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or watching online, you're doing that the first or the 15th of every month. Throwing up your hands and saying, come and get it. I hope you can see it with me. Come and get it. Instead of saying, being able to say about the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God is ever increasing, why are the wicked getting the wealth of the righteous? Wait a minute, God. I'm the righteous and they're getting my wealth. And the Father says, they're not getting your wealth. They're getting my wealth that I loan to you and you haven't been a good steward over it. Because what belongs to you belongs to me. It belonged to me first and I loaned it to you. I'm sharing it with you. And now you're going to give it away. Probably 99% of the people in this room have debt to someone. I do. I have a mortgage. So you know what? The first of every month, you know what they're going to do to me? They're going to come and they're going to take their portion. But you know what I'm going to do? You know what I am doing? What I have been doing is slowly but surely positioning myself to say to them, you're not coming to get the wealth of the righteous anymore. I'm going to turn this thing around and interest is going to work for me, not against me. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to get from you what belongs to my Father. You are holding something that's going to burn your hand if you keep holding on to it. And I'm coming after it. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying. What does business have to do in the church? Business, if you think of business only as in terms of having your name on the license of a company, you're getting the wrong, the wrong idea. Business is managing resources and everybody in this room represents business. Every single man and woman, every boy and girl, every single person under the sound of my voice, you represent business. And you're either good at it or you're being good at it or you're not. But it doesn't matter where you are today. I want to tell you, if you find yourself, man, my business is failing. It's failing. What do I do? I begin to change things. I begin to reconstitute. For the purpose of increasing the kingdom of God. If the business doesn't belong in the church, why do we need resources? I don't want to... I can get into this next part for a little while, so I might cut it off for next week. Proverbs 22.7 says this, says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave of the lender. If the church maintains a slave mentality and continues to be a slave to those with wealth, the church cannot be the glory of God. Let me say this and then I'll pick up on the rest of this later. I'm going to pick up next Sunday. So please come and bring everybody that you got, all your wicked friends, bring them with you. <laughs> well, I don't need any music this morning. But I want to tell you something this morning. Business belongs in the church because you're in it. And you are a business. And He has entrusted you with something. And you might be saying, as I said a moment, a while ago, man, I've failed miserably. But you don't have to stay there. Oh, but you don't know how deep this failure is. You're right, I don't, I don't want to. 
What I do know is that everything you've ever been given belongs to God. And do not think for a second that He will not equip you to get back what belongs to Him. He is jealous and every dime, every dollar, every opportunity, every whatever it is, you call it what you want to. Any part of you that is in the hands of somebody else, the Father's providing you a way to get it back. But here's the thing. He's not providing you a way to get it back so that you can say, look at what I've got. He brings back so that glory comes to Him. See, the love of those things that come back, if we love those things that came back more than we love Him, it'll go away just as fast as it came back. Even what you have and don't have will be taken away. What does that mean? Even what you don't have will be taken away from you. It means there are people, there are some, that are still under the sound of my voice. You have not yet attained to a place of success. Your business, your life, your person is not yet successful. So you've not attained yet to that, and you don't believe God for it, and you're not ta- you're un- if we're unwilling to take the steps to begin to cause this business to be a success, even what we have and don't have what we should have that belongs to us but it hasn't come to us even that will be taken away you won't even be able to get what belongs to you that's not yet in your hand think about that for a second man don't let that be me holy ghost don't let that be me father but help me help us today to be a people that recognize it's okay listen if you come to church And the preacher's afraid to talk about money. Find another church. If you're sitting next to somebody that says, I wish he wouldn't talk about money, move across the room. Don't let their funk get on you. You have to be careful what words you say because I said, I had my grandbaby the other day. And I was holding her and something happened and I said, oh, shoot. And she said, oh, and it didn't quite sound like shoot. She's 18 months old. I I told my wife, we really need to be careful because it doesn't always translate the same. (laughs) You got to be careful. Well, you need to hear me today. I'm telling you, there's a gospel that came to you today. There's a gospel that came to you today and you are in a building, you are in a house, you are in a ministry, you are in a body of believers. You sit among a body of people today who aren't afraid to talk about wealth, aren't afraid to talk about success and aren't afraid to talk about money and will continue to do so. I'm going to do it next Sunday and I'm going to do it even stronger. Why? Because I believe that the kingdom of God was meant to be an increasing kingdom and when we're ashamed of that... If I'm ashamed of the increase of the kingdom, I'm ashamed of God. Is anybody hearing me today? What do you do with what I've taught you, shared with you today? Yes, sir. First of all, is you take this position. Father, if in my mind I have asked and been mad and angry because preachers talk about money. Now listen, I'm not saying that every preacher talks about it right. 
I'm not saying they don't have ulterior motives. I don't know about every other preacher, but I know about Steve Parker. And those of you that know me know about Steve Parker. Those of you that don't know me, you draw your own conclusion until you do. But I can tell you for sure. Do I need to smile for your... <laughs> she was taking a picture. But this is what I know. I'm going to teach it. And with every word he gives me, I'm going to teach you out of failure. And I'm going to teach you out of poverty. And I'm going to teach you into success. And I'm going to teach you into a demonstration. And I'm going to teach you into a part of an increasing kingdom of God. I'm going to teach you how to rise above and not be beneath. I'm going to teach you how to be the head and not be the tail. I'm going to teach you how not to be ashamed of the successes of God. I've known and know preachers, people in churches today that are ashamed to have anything. They're happy in pity and miserable in success because somehow in their mind they have relegated God to a God who enjoys our misery. I don't believe it. Not for one second do I believe that He loves our misery. If I listed, in fact, in Deuteronomy, I got to stop, I got to stop. <laughs> I'll read it next week. But there is a point in Deuteronomy that says that God's will for you is not to be prosperous, but to be very prosperous. Not just to do well, but to do very well. Why? What happens when you do well? What does it say about the kingdom of God when you do well? That God loves and honors and blesses you for your faithfulness. Now, I'm going to tell you the backside, and then I'm going to stop. Why does He want you to be wealthy? Not so that you can be wealthy. And wealthy isn't a dollar sign with a large number behind it. Wealthy is not being slave to any lender. Maybe I should say that again so that people that might accuse me of saying something I didn't say... Are we good? <laughs> Chino's hungry. <laughs> what I do know is it is time for you and me to get our ducks in order. Get our ducks in a row. Steve, you don't know how buried I am. Well, let's unbury you. Let somebody was sharing a testimony with us this morning as we prayed before we came out here. And when they were sharing, oh, it just oh, it made my heart jump and I got excited about it. And I said, man, there's nothing wrong with partnering with people. Partner with somebody. There, I'm telling you, Holy Spirit has a way of joining you to the right people. And man, you find somebody that's got some strong arms that can get a shovel and doesn't don't mind helping you dig out. I'm telling you, it's common. But don't remove one dirt full 
of soil only to have two more thrown in? I know, Chino. I got to stop. I know you are. I know I have your I know I have your full I wasn't I was just playing with you. But I can tell you this guy right here, his family are but never doubt a day. Never doubt a day. Same so many of you in this room this morning. Never doubt a day. And I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna change the earth. We're gonna change our part of the earth. I don't know if we can change California. I, you know, I, I can get in trouble for some things that I say. But I'm going to go ahead and say it just because you get what you get. Steve is Steve. So you get what you get. Love me, hate me, whatever it is. But I think sometimes even Yahweh, even God says about California, to hell with them. I shouldn't have said that. Make sure that doesn't get on the, line, the uh, recording. <laughs> Well, that just blew any opportunity for people to come and get saved this morning. No, it didn't. Because there's people present. I'm going to shut this and I'll stop looking at those scriptures I want to read so bad. But there's people under the sound of my voice. There's people in this room. There's people watching online today. And the best thing that you know to do, I mean, you don't even know where to begin. I can tell you where the starting point is. The starting point is saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me. If you don't know Christ, the starting point for you is repent. I repent of who I've been, where I've been, what I've done. I want to tell you today, if you're in that position today and you don't, you're just, you don't even know whether Jesus Christ is real or not because He's never personally visited you, it's likely because you've never invited Him in. But I can tell you, if you will invite Him to do so, I promise you He will. He'll change who you are. He'll change the way you think about things. He'll change the way you see things. He'll change the way you, how you live your life. He really will. doesn't mean all the questions. He doesn't, because He comes into your heart, because He comes into your life, and because you receive Him, all the questions don't get removed. He doesn't answer questions with a visit to an altar. He answers questions through relationship over a lifetime. You get to know Him and you learn and you grow in Him and questions begin to be answered. So when you come to Christ, don't come to Christ and then be disappointed because suddenly you, you have even more questions than you started with. Celebrate the questions and know this, that He is a Christ that isn't passing through, but He has come to dwell in you and He wants to change everything about you. He wants to change the way you and I, we think, whether we have questions, even doubts. Don't for a second think, well, I'm doubting, so is Christ really in me? Your doubt does not separate you from Christ. What your doubt does is give you an opportunity to say, help me understand. Help my lack of faith, Father. Gives you an opportunity to talk to Him. Listen, I can tell you that He loves you. You matter to Him. I can tell you that He wants you to be a success, not only spiritually. That was one of the... i, I got to stay away from that verse or I'll get into it. But He wants you to be a success naturally and spiritually. Everything about Him. So where do you begin? If you don't know Christ, Father, I repent. And I receive you into my heart and soul. I receive you as the Lord of my life. Change my life. Forgive me. Change my life. Help me to make right choices, righteous choices. If you're in the hole, you serve the Lord, but
but you're not doing anything to increase the kingdom of God because you don't have a business that can do it. Father, forgive me for the failures in my personal business. My business. Forgive me for those failures. I repent of those and now help me to redeem those things that I've not done well. And begin to make changes. Begin to hear and allow Him to begin to show you. Stay away from the restaurants when, you, when you're still slave to the lender. Stay away from coals when you're slave to the rent. It's not a sale if you can't pay your electric bill. It's a thief and a robber. It's not buy one, get one free if you can't pay your mortgage. It isn't. But these are kingdom principles that need to be present in our lives and need to be present in our mind, need to be present in our decision-making process, need to be present in the way that we do things because your success is a success in the kingdom. And I want to tell you this, because you succeed when your business is successful, the kingdom of God is able to do the things it's supposed to do. Whether it's going to Nigeria, whether it's building a community center, whatever it might be, you fill in the blanks. 